Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Toward Light podcast. A couple weeks ago, the air was really bad. The number was over 100 for multiple days in a row. And when we checked the air quality and the number got to 97, we were relieved. Felt like we were under 100. We were making progress. The air felt cleaner. And then after several days of having air quality in the 50s and 60s, It then went up to 97, and all of a sudden, 97 was a bad number, and that felt like we were headed in the wrong direction. So same number, but depending on the perspective, was either good or bad, was either moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. And this is what I'm going to talk about today, is this idea of perception, perspective, conditionality, how we see things how we project things onto others, and at the end of the day, how we don't really know. We can have these ideas that we think we know, but as I mentioned in last week's episode about karma, the truth is that we need to be content in not knowing. We need to relinquish some of these perspectives, some of these agendas, some of these conditions so we can see clearly and see what's actually happening. In a book written by John Green, at one point the father character says, I thought being an adult meant knowing what you believe, but that has not been my experience. And that is the beauty of the path of this practice, is it allows us to open up to not knowing, to being curious, to being open-minded, open-hearted. I'm going to give examples of different aspects of our lives where our perspective may be conditioned or biased in some way, because the tricky part about perspective, about conditioning, is that it's so habitual and so part of our process that we can't see it. So I'm hoping that these examples will spark in you some realizations about places where maybe you've been holding on to your perception or your perspective. It's also important because when we can start to see this, when we see how much of our lives we're seeing through our own lens, we can remember that about others. It becomes easier to open our compassionate heart to others because we see the ways that we're clouded or the ways that our views are skewed. And so we can be more forgiving and accepting of others in that way too. We can't care about others if we're bound by our perspectives. So the more we see our perspectives, our projections, the more that we can open the door for compassion and for kindness. The other day, I was at the dog park and there was a very barky dog and the owner of the dog was on the phone and would sometimes correct the dog, but often was distracted by the phone call. And I watched myself getting annoyed and then was reminded by somebody in my life, we don't know what that phone call was about. That could have been a really serious, important phone call, or she could have been talking to somebody who is close to death, or she could be dealing with something financial or medical, or I don't know. I don't know what that phone call was about, and maybe it was a priority. 
And even if that phone call was that person talking to their friend or their sibling, that's okay too. My perception says if your dog is being annoying at the dog park, you need to do something about it. But that may not be that person's perception. And that person lives with that dog who barks all the time. So maybe they don't even notice or see how much the barking is affecting others because they're so used to it, right? So I could choose to get annoyed and huffy, or I could choose to open my perspective and to know that I didn't know. I also use that opportunity when I get stuck in my views or when I think somebody should be doing something or something should be different. That's an opportunity to check in and see what's underneath my hood, what's going on in my experience. Why am I so reactive in that moment? Have I not had breakfast? Does my hip hurt? Am I struggling with some big decision? So what's up for me? What do I need? That's an opportunity when I start to get in this place where I'm stuck and rigid is I can turn inward and see, oh, what's going on in my experience? A similar experience is when we're, someone cuts us off when we're driving as maybe that person is lost. Maybe their map is telling them they've got to cross four lanes of traffic in a very short period of time and they don't, they've never done that before in that location and They're struggling with listening to the map and maybe dealing with people in their car and navigating the car. I know that I have been in that experience before being somewhere I don't know and struggling with driving. And so when that experience happens to me, can I be compassionate? Can I notice that my perception is saying, well, they should know this, but maybe they don't. Maybe they're unfamiliar. Maybe I need to give them the benefit of the doubt. I was having a conversation earlier today and we were talking about teachers and how sometimes a teacher, whether it's a spiritual teacher or an academic teacher or whatever, they can do something that feels incongruent with what you think a teacher should do or should be. So we can have this perspective or this perception about how this person should act not taking into account the wholeness of their their being, right? There's a wise and compassionate Dharma colleague of mine who spends a lot of time playing video games, killing zombies. And I love that about this person. I love that they allow themselves to do something that brings them joy. That's so important. And it may not seem like a Dharma teacher thing, quote unquote, but It's clearly an authentic expression of themselves. And so we can notice people in our life where we've put them on pedestals or put them in boxes in some way. See if we can let go of some of that. Even for me, there are times when I tell people I teach meditation and they look at me with my shaved head and my tattoos and that's not been their experience of meditation teachers. And so they are confused. That's perception. That's perspective. That's projection, right? Ajahn Sachito says, thoughts and perceptions are notoriously unreliable. We forget that. We forget the unreliability of our thoughts and perceptions. We forget that we don't really know. We fix certain things in our mind. Say that this is right and this is wrong, or this is good and this is bad. We don't allow ourselves to be flexible. And how often do we do that in our lives? How often do we hear one word or 
hear something and think something. A few years ago, a friend of mine moved somewhere and another friend had this idea that this person had moved into a mansion. And I knew for a fact it wasn't. And the the friend just wouldn't believe me. He kept saying, no, you know, he moved into this really fancy place and da da da. And I had to get onto Google Street View to show them the house to say, see, it's not that. So for whatever reason, the information that they had taken in got them this idea in their mind, and they just couldn't let go of it. Ruth King says, we stop being mindful when we think we know, and that's when much harm can happen. So mindfulness is about being curious in our present moment experience and being interested, being invested. But if I think I know what's happening, I'm less likely to be engaged with this moment. I'm less likely to be engaged in what your experience is, what my experience is, what's happening in the field of awareness. So you can see how we can cause harm if we're holding on to a belief that one color of skin is more beneficial than another color of skin, or if we're holding on to a belief that a certain education level is more important than another education level or a certain type of job is more important than another type of job, we can cause a lot of harm. And as I'm saying all of this, I'm watching my shoulders move up to my ears and my neck get stiff. As I'm talking about all of these beliefs that we can hold, these perceptions that can be so strong in us, it's actually making my body rigid. When we think we know, we can let go of mindfulness. I think about when I'm on retreat and going through the food line, I know that there are certain things that I can't eat and certain things that aren't available to me. And so I just sort of check out. I just know, okay, I got to go right to the spinach and get the spinach. And then I got to go over there and get that. And that's what I'm going to eat. And that's enough. And so I don't pay attention to the colors of the food. I don't pay attention to the actual actions of picking up the spoon or the ladle or whatever. I get really fixated just on doing my deal and getting out of the line. So my perception is that it's not interesting or I'm doing the same thing every day so I don't need to pay attention. That's not true. Even though I drive down my street every day, I still need to pay attention all the time. I still need to bring mindfulness, awareness to that. Another example of thinking that we know is there is a neighbor that I see with a little dog and this neighbor always seems to want to talk. So I'm friendly And I had this idea that this neighbor lived alone, perhaps, or that's why they seem so eager to connect. And I saw them out fairly recently with somebody else who looks like a member of their household or the way they were interacting made me believe that they most likely lived together. And it was interesting to see that I had held on to this idea so hard of this woman lives by herself and that's why she's, you know, so eager to connect. Maybe she's just eager to connect. Maybe that's part of her personality. Or maybe she wants to connect with me in particular. I don't know. But I had this idea and I was just holding on to it. I feel like I bring this in almost every week and it's super important to me. So I'm just going to keep doing it. But some of our perceptions come from trauma. Some of our ways that we see the world or some of the lenses we see the world through are due to trauma in our lives or intergenerational trauma. 
Resma Menachem says, trauma responses are never reasonable. They are protective and reflexive. They don't involve the reasoning mind. My previous dog, Sally, did not like white dogs with pointy ears. And she would get very aggressive if she saw a white dog with pointy ears. Even now that I have a different dog, I still, when I see a white dog with pointy ears, my reflexive thing is to pull my dog closer to me. There's a tightening in my chest. There's a tightening in my shoulders and jaw. There's just a response. I can't stop that. So what I do is I notice that and then I try and loosen and soften as much as possible and remind myself that's an old response from previous trauma. Or when I interact with somebody and I immediately have a feeling about them, I met someone several months ago and they reminded me so much of somebody else in my life that I just could not continue to engage with them. My perceptions were so blocking my ability to communicate with this person or have any sort of wholesome interaction with them because I was so stuck because I was seeing through all these traumatic lenses. When we're seeing through trauma, it's a very restrictive view. So the way our mindfulness can help us with this is we can notice what our trauma triggers are. We can notice what does it feel like when we are experiencing a trauma trigger, and then we can name it trauma trigger or whatever we note it as which then can allow us to say, okay, so this is reflexive and not reasonable. It's irrational. So how can I get grounded, get back into the present moment? How can I sort of shift my perspective a little bit? Knowing that some of these trauma responses may happen for the rest of our lives. But for me, I found that the quicker I catch them, the quicker I'm able to move through them. In his book, Breaking Down is Waking Up, Russell Razik says, In seeing the world through our egos, we see a world of separates. The only perception we understand is one in which everything is separated out from everything else. One way that I can bring my mindfulness practice to this kind of perception is when I notice myself feeling really unique or alone. Yes, I have my own experiences. We all do. But whenever I see that as isolating me or taking me away or feeling lonely or like no one understands, that's a moment when I can turn toward universality instead and look at similarities, look at commonalities, look at connections. I get the choice. Am I going to see the world through a lens of separateness or connectivity? This is why oppression happens, is because we separate people into groups. We don't notice that love is love is love. We somehow get caught in this trap of separate or different. And so how can we have a mind and a heart that connects rather than separates? Again, our first step is to notice when that perception is happening, when we're separating. And then to see, oh, okay, how can I connect instead. Going back to the, you know, being cut off example and traffic of, okay, I can say that as a bad person or a bad driver or separate myself, or I can say, oh, I've been in that situation before. It's the worst, right? We get a choice. 
Loving someone, appreciating them for who they are and not what we want them to be is not easy because of our self-centeredness and our monovision or perception. That's from Martine Batchelor's book, Let Go. Our perception is so insular and so focused on our experience. So when we're in relationship with others, whether it's a committed relationship or the person we're dealing with at the grocery checkout or family or whoever, how do we remind ourselves again and again that we're seeing from our perspective? Can we stop and remind ourselves that we are connected yet have different lenses? I may have given this example before, but It's very interesting to me when my partner and I are out driving and he'll point something out and it's so at the forefront of what he's seeing. So he doesn't give a lot of detail and I'm maybe looking at something else or something else has caught my attention. So I'll often miss what he's pointing out because my perception is picking up something something different. The more we can see that with people, the easier things can be. Several years ago, I became aware that my resting face is quite negative. And so even if I'm waiting in a line and I'm fine, salespeople will often come up to me and say, oh, we're getting to you really soon, or they approach me as if I am angry. And so I've learned to be like, oh, no, that's just my face. Like, don't even worry about it. Um, I'm fine waiting or whatever and try and smile and, and put them at ease. And so because I I see that their perception is one thing, even though I think I'm presenting something else, that has been such a good lesson for me about we never really know how we're being seen or how we're presenting. And so it's okay to, to check that out. It's okay to see our patterns, our perceptions. It's actually what we need to do is we need to understand how we're seeing the world, what lenses we're seeing the world through. So then we can open and see things more clearly, more directly. So my challenge for each of us is to pay attention to when our perceptions are separating us, when we're feeling different, when we're experiencing judgment, when we're putting ourselves above or below anybody else. These are moments when we can catch and say, okay, I'm seeing through these certain perceptions and what can I do to release that, to let go of that a little bit. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.